Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Thanks to everybody who listened to my last episode on Cromorty High. That was a fun episode. It was fun to go get that stupid song and put it in for you guys, because it was just... I like that show. Now, before we get started, unfortunately, I'm recording... If you're listening to this later... I'm recording this on the 18th, the day of the arson attack on Kill Annie, which it turns out to be probably the biggest attack of any kind in Japan since probably the sarin gas attacks. And as somebody who has grown up with anime and with animation and who has trained as an animator and knows what it is to be a what it means to be a talented animator and knows what it means to be the kind of talented animator that works at Kill Annie I would be remiss if I didn't say these attacks hurt or this attack hurt and whoever is responsible they I saw on the news a little while ago, that they have a guy deserves to be punished because he took live, he took first and most importantly lives from the world, but he also endeavored to do something worse than that. He endeavored to burn down an animation studio, and if you've if you've ever seen a show like, um. What's it called? Um, if you've ever seen the show Shirobako, you know what the what old an, what animation studios that have existed for a long time look like. They have whole shows in folders in their studios, and the building itself has a kind of historic history and legacy housed in it, and to set that on fire is beyond something aimed just at people, although it is aimed at people, it is aimed at the culture that of creative space holds. It, it is akin to burning Picasso's studio, it is akin to burning any famous artist's work because that is what lives in a lot of studios and in addition to that knowing that 33 people who worked for this studio a stu- for those of you who don't know Kyo Annie is unique in the fact that it employs all of its animators most of the shows that you watch in anime are animated largely are animated, directed, all these other things, largely by a freelance culture that has arisen to allow anime to be be produced in a way that's financially possible. But Kill Annie, as a studio, made the express decision, made the expressly purposeful decision to employ all of its animators. And as someone who has worked in the freelance creative world... I know what that means for people who work there. I know what that means for people who get to work there. And I can barely hope to imagine how terrifying it is to be trapped in a place that, in many people's cases, is the pinnacle of of their creative lives as it burns. And it... It's awful. Anything that takes life from the world is awful. It's worse because it's a place we all know. It's a place we all... We we all have a relationship with, but it's worse because... 
its aim, even if its aim was to harm people, its consequence could be to harm people and burn creative work. And it's it it's really a tragedy, and I I can't express enough how sad I am that it happened, and how much I hope that everyone who was only injured or badly burned is okay. And I hope that the I don't want to send thoughts and prayers to the people who to the families survived by the animators. I want to hope that they'll be okay at the end of the funeral, the funeral reception, the small piece of their lifetime that will be devoted to the fact that someone was taken from them. Because I, I, I that hope me giving that hope is better to me than saying what everyone says. Sauce and prayer to the survivors. As someone who... As someone who... Lived in the New York area for 9-11. Sauce and prayers don't do a whole lot. <laughs> Sauce and prayers don't put the building back up. Sauce and prayers don't... Pick your kid up from school when you can't get out of the city because you, because there's no cell service, because there was just a terrorist attack. And that's the other thing is lots of people want to say that this is somehow different from a terrorist attack because it wasn't a quote unquote terrorist. That's what people who hurt other people are. And that's kind of where I want to leave it. I have a lot of feelings about this. I just wanted to say something on the podcast because it's something that I that I don't think should be ignored. Um, on that note, however, this week we're going to be talking about actually something <sighs> that, well, of course, loops back around to another interesting disaster in Japan. Ultimately, and I'll get to that in a minute, but that's because we're going to be talking about not an anime this time. I'm not sure, I mean, I mean, technically Cooking Papa exists, but that's not really this. We're going to be talking about a manga that you can go read on the Viz app on your device, or your device of choice, called Oceanbow, which is better known in America as Oceanbow a la carte. I'm not afraid of the dark. 
As with last time, I this recording snuck up on me, and that happens more often than I'll admit. But sometimes it's good when that happens because I subscribe to two anime magazines primarily. I subscribe to Otaku USA. I have for years, and I've also I've also been subscribed to an anime magazine called Neo. And if you don't know what Neo is, I don't blame you. Neo is actually a British publication all about anime and Japanese culture. It's essentially otaku, the Otaku USA of Great Britain. And that means they have slightly different takes on things. There's a different otter release schedule. There's different otter... Like, what releases there are, like, what releases there are in Britain is different. It's not super different, but it's different. Also, hilariously, they get better releases of movies there than we do. But, what they also do is they also, it's not such a, there's not such a, and I don't think this has anything to do with, like, the cultural divide, but there's not such a focus on, like, right here, right now as there is in something like Otaku USA. And yes, Otaku USA does feature older series, but, should I put this? It doesn't, it doesn't look too far back because it's always so much coming out that it's not super often that people get to write an article about something odd, about something even odd that happened. And, um, so, I read this article called A Nosebleed of a Different Kind. And the point of this article was basically to explain an incident that happened with the author of Oceanbow. And for those of you who don't know what Oceanbow is, it is probably the, like, food manga. And it it's a manga that's expressly de designed to celebrate the food culture of Japan, meaning, like, they talk about sushi, they talk about goiza, and they talk about sake, they talk about all these different things. But, and I want to be really clear here, Ocean Bow started in the 80s, and it's, the style, the way the manga looks, it is very, it's easy to, like, get it everywhere, because it doesn't, deal with terribly uh, adult it deals with adult characters and adult situations but it doesn't deal with char terribly adult like graphic visuals I, I mean the worst you see is people cutting animals open to like cook them it's not it's not like gratuitous or insane it's just the way it is um 
but because of its like because of the art style and the way it's the way it's adult without being like lurid without being like triple X adult it it was an awfully good candidate to be translated and brought over in like the very first round of like manga released in the US but as with many early attempts at manga it doesn't there are some things that were missing from it when it was released. It probably came out flipped, meaning it would it read left to right instead of right to left, which means continuity was probably a little weird. But on top of that, and I don't know why this decision was made because, and it must have made the translator's life god awful and hellish, because it's this is what really screwed with the continuity of the storyline. Because there is, in Oceanbow, if you read it in America, you might not get this overall feeling. You'll get this feeling that the story you're missing, and that's because Yama, Yamaoka and his, and like his, like, partner eventually fall in love and get married. And the, so there's this overarching story of a romance of basically like an office reporter and report like two reporters falling in love with each other because the premise of the manga is Yamaoka is the son of this renowned artist who is just the biggest asshole and f and food critic who works for this food magazine and goes all over the world, goes all over Japan, and gets into hijinks about Japanese food and some Chinese food, but mostly Japanese food, and, like, usually best somebody, or, like, it, it, sometimes he'll best somebody, like, I just read a chapter, because I dropped it for a while, and actually picked it back up this morning, but, um, and, like, the entire time reading was like, Oh yeah, this this manga is awesome. Um, in the chapter I'm I'm reading right now, it there's this person who's convinced that fresh that like the fresher the sashimi the better, and Yamaoka is like no 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 like the, the, fre super fresh fish basically has no taste except for salt water. You need like. The f when the fish starts to decompose and the acids release, it like makes the fish taste better. So he like best this. Lots of times, if he's besting someone, it the, the someone in question is probably a billionaire. <laughs> um, since this since the manga was largely conceived of in the eighties. Um, but ran until, and uh, this is important, it ran until 2014. Um, and, the, but the way that they publish it in, they published it in America, and the way that it's the only way you can read it in America, is, it was published out of order. So, the, that, if you read it, you'll get the sense of an overarching love story, like I said. You'll get... And you'll get little panels that are like, oh, she's thinking about having kids. He notices her. Blah, blah. Like, all these little panels that are just really actually clever storytelling beats of just, like, couple. Couple. Husband and wife. Couple. And because of the way it was published, and this is actually why it's called a la carte, because someone likes puns and this is dumb. It's out of order, so... And I... I think they actually took out the chapter that's exclusively devoted to their marriage, although that could not exist. I could just be crazy and want it in my soul. Um, but... Basically... The love story gets all screwed up because it doesn't... It's not in the right order to exist in a continuity, so they just seem like really good friends, which is 
like by story standards, and I feel bad for the translator who had to be like, no, these these two are clearly married, but I can't. God damn it, I can't say that. It's it's so dumb. I I have to be like, oh, isn't it so great that we can be friends? I, I like I said, I feel really bad for whoever had to translate this massive work completely out of order. Because what I would bet is all these, all the stories that were like grouped, uh, now grouped into almost like recipe books, were actually like slotted in all around each other. So like you learned about a different thing every week, and then like maybe another week you'd learn a little bit more about the same about the same like food family, but it seems a lot more meandering than like a book about. Alcohol, a book about goiza, or a book about um izakaya food, or a book about sushi, or book like. But so I started this all off with a different, with a talking about an article that was called a nosebleed of a different kind, and that's because there was a planned hiatus by the there was a planned I. They can say hiatus, but I'm gonna say just straight up he ended the show, or he ended the manga. And the hiatus, and the hiatus, quote-unquote, happens in 2014 after the Fukushima nuclear disaster. And apparently the manga went to Fukushima for... Once it was declared safe, probably for some sort of manga research that's not uncommon, um, like, research delicacy that did exist there, and he came back and he had radiation poisoning, like, straight up. He had a nosebleed the following day at dinner, and he, the way he described his, like, the fatigue he had was... It felt like someone was dragging my spine on the floor. Which is, like, awful. Ooh, my whole body tenses up. Oh. Um, but he translated that in manga form by giving, actually, Yamaoka a bloody nose after he visited Fukushima. I'm sure they figured out manga reasons to do that. Um, but that like, final chapter became such a, like, flashpoint because the government had declared Fukushima safe in the same way that the government had declared Ground Zero safe. And if you're not in America, Ground Zero means World Trade Center Ground Zero. Um, but it, the... It, he, because he, I think, I believe lives in Australia, but he, and this isn't uncommon with people who are really well-known manga artists, um, because they want to live their lives and they don't want to be bugged by fans and all this other, all the stuff that comes with any kind of notoriety that's dependent on a story you write that could take a turn that people don't like. Um, his info is, his contact info is probably not public knowledge, you probably always have to go through his publishing company. His publishing company and actually ended up getting like thousands of calls from what is suspected to be people pay people like on the take from the government to disrupt corporate activities for corporations that do not please them. And his publishers also like had to deal with, like, getting around the government in some cases because the government would not give them information about things and, like, being stonewalled at events and stuff. And <laughs> so here's this big, complicated... Here's this big, not complicated. Here's this big-time, but really simple story <laughs> about essentially food... And daddy issues. <laughs> and the guy who's probably an asshole as a result of 
food, a very specific combination of food and daddy issues that inadvertently made, that made probably on purpose, a fairly political statement that it, that it, that had real life percussions. And I, I did, so I found the article interesting. I was also like, ooh, yeah, let's go read Ocean Bow again, because I like that thing. And one of the reasons why I like it is because it has this um, Yashke, and for those of you who don't know what Yashke means, it's basically slice of life, but it's supposed to be, it's like a slice of life manga or anime, but it has this extra quality of being really soothing. So the um, Yashke example I always give is, if you've ever seen the anime Flying Witch, Flying Witch is about nothing, but it's also kind of about, like, friendship and just chill vibes and occasional hilarious jokes of the main character being a total fucking nightmare weirdo because she's bonkers. But, like, it just makes you feel good. Like, the the... The goal of the show is just to, like, make you feel kind of warm and happy. <laughs> um, but... Oceanbow has that same quality to it. It has that same, like, you're reading it, it's got a kind of, it's got a kind of edutainment vibe because it's telling you about food. But it's also, none of the stakes are too high... Yeah, Yamaoka is a total dickbag to a lot of people, but you get the sense that he, they kind of deserve it. Um, so it has, like, this Yasuke vibe to it. It also, like I just mentioned, has a real en edutainment angle in that it seeks, um, so it seeks... To explain food to you and explain ja explain Japanese food to you, and in that way, it talks about not just food, but food preparation, food like regulation, um, food culture, what food, what different foods mean to different people. It also through like characters and storytelling tricks lets you know what a food obsession looks like when it goes wrong. That's, um, that's demonstrated in, um, I think his name is Kizuan something, um, but Yamaoka's father is a world-famous potter and foodie, basically. But he's also a massive asshole because nothing is ever good enough for him. Basically, unless it's made by Yamaoka or him. And Yamaoka and him don't talk anymore because Kizuan's a real dickback. Like, deeply so. And But what the show does is it... It has a disdain for like, and this makes this makes a certain amount of sense. As a disdain for people who put culture higher in their minds than other people. So, um, Yuzuan is an art is an art collector and artist and foodie who treats people like shit. Who will treat the waiter like shit if they bring him a bad if his dinner is undercooked. And Yamaoka, yes, he, like, doesn't like eating bad food, and he, like, grimaces when he's like, oh, this is, this is bad, but, uh. he'll eat it anyway. He, he has the, like, you know, in many cases, just barely, he has the thing stopping him from just being an asshole because someone's food doesn't taste great. And, the sh but the show uh, uses him and, like, his, like, disgruntled, like, oh, do you anything? 
I just wanna like sleep um as a way to it like help people and help people understand instead of just being mean to the waiter. <laughs> so um a perfect example is there's a there's a whole volume just on sake, and if you don't know, um, sake doesn't just mean sake, the, like, traditional rice wine, Japanese rice wine. In Japanese, sake refers to all alcohol. I think the book might even open up with a special page that said, look, we can also talk about champagne, it's allowed, linguistically, leave us alone. And, but in the chapter that I think they might have actually translated to rice wine because they want to like make that clear that it's not sake is not all things it, it's not just that it's all alcoholic beverages um but in that chapter they a they go to a distillery and they talk about the fact that it's illegal to brew sake in Japan and the reason for that is actually to protect the industry. So, um, there's yeah. not really comparison for this in America because you can brew your own beer, you can make your own food. Um, it'd be like, say, if iPhones were reproducible by you in your garage, but, um, you weren't allowed to. Like, the law, like, they got, Apple went to the U.S. Supreme Court and said, we, like, we want it to make it so no one can produce their own iPhone. No one can go buy the parts from Walmart or wherever they were sold and put them all together into the form factor of an iPhone. And the Supreme Court was like, okay, this will protect the iPhone industry. <laughs> now, that's stupid. I realize that's stupid. But that's kind of the way the, like, it being illegal to brew sake works in Japan. Like, you, like, the kind of yeast that you bought that you need to brew sake, or to brew alcohol, basically, is restricted. And there's, like, a list of people who can buy it and who certainly can't buy it. <laughs> um, so that's one thing that the, like, rice wine chapter in the sake book teaches you is it says, like, hey, this is a thing about Japan. And even Yamaoka is like, this is kind of dumb, but I get it. <laughs> and then the next thing that it teaches you is it teaches you that, like, the grades of sake, meaning, like, like um, trusted, premium, platinum, whatever, like, the grades of sake that you see a lot of times, even in America, is bullshit. <laughs> it is marketing that the government has also gotten behind because of the sake company. Basically, sake companies are in lots of ways kind of like a less insane version of the tobacco companies. <laughs> um, but, so, like, sake has, like, has these awards on it, and all the people on the board of those awards are from the sake companies, so it's this, like, Ouroboros of corrupt trying to sell to people and so the whole mong the whole the manga the whole is filled with stories like that there's a sashimi story i said earlier there's the sake stuff and the they're in the same book in the book for sake he goes to a, a, there's a guy who's getting married and like he's struggling picking out a champagne for his wedding, I believe, and he doesn't know what to do, so Yamoko's like, we go into a bar, and they go to, like, a weird bar in the corner of Nowhere Land, and he just tries different champagnes, and, like, he, like, you learn vaguely about champagne, and the, 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 um, I forget what, it's in the sake book, too, um, but I forget what, um, chapter it was, I think it was just the one about like, red wine where there's a 
scene where they all drink this wine that's like called a harvest wine or whatever. And they're like, this is awful. Why do people like this? And I think they're like, this is awful. Why, why are people, why is it so expensive? Why does it have this legend around it? And Yamaoka's like, or not Yamaoka, and that's the other thing. Yamaoka isn't always the person to explain things. But he know, but he's usually the kind of like reading rainbow style guide. Like he'll get you to the person who can't explain the thing. And then he might step aside or he might just like enjoy himself. But he, but he does also know a lot about food and alcohol and all that stuff. And cooking and cooking and cooking preparation. Um, and he, so like this got, I think someone other than, um, Yamaoka in this episode, in that, in this chapter, is basically like, well, all the legends around it come from the fact that, like, they all picked these grapes in another country and raced to get it back to Spain. And, like, they were just the first to, like, stick it in a keg and pop it open. Um, but, so, it's it just, if you're looking for, like, a nice, easy manga to read, like, when you first wake up, or when you get, when you're, like, in bed, but not ready to go to bed, Oshinbo is a great thing, because it's got, even with the a la carte arrangement, um, it's, you still, the relationship between Yamaoka and the love interest, I forget her name, but she is, like, his partner in crime for a lot of it, it's still very much there. It's just not... It's just not concrete in the way that the author intended, which is really unfortunate, and it's really unfortunate they did as much as they did to this thing. Like, I, I am... Don't get me wrong. I am super happy that Ocean Bow is, like, a thing you can read in English. And I've always been kind of super happy and fascinated by it, even before I started reading it. But... I I just wish that it was in its proper orientation. And I and if I had one big wish for Viz, I would say like, hey, maybe it's time to like revisit Ocean Bow and put it all in the right order and retranslate it so the like relationship of the two main of the male and female lead make some goddamn sense. Because, while I said, there's lots of instances where, like, you're like, they seem really close. There's also definite incidents where, like, in one chapter, they are straight up, like, they are definitely married. <laughs> like, fixing each other's ties in the, ele like, fixing each other's clothes in the, in the elevator on the way up to the office, style married. And just, like, the translator doesn't really know what to do with it. Like, it's like, ah, crap. I, I guess, I guess they're just really good friends with no boundaries. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Um, but also the, and I said this before, I said this earlier, the art style of the manga is, it goes down easy. It's not, it's certainly it's it's certainly stylized. It's not like you're gonna go see like um Momor like Oshi level like crazy everything's dripping in oil and like blah blah. blah. It's not like um what's a a good comparison that would actually be. It's not like Food Wars. Food Wars is like. Chefs and food through the eye of someone who used to draw, who used to draw arrow manga or hentai comics. So like, they're, they're the like perfection of human form in that show. That in in that not that show, but that the manga for that show that is just not here. But what? So I always find this interesting. What 
you lose with manga like Food Wars and with, um, or another great example, manga like Tenjo Tange, which I actually talked about the show for in this podcast. You can check it out in the, in the, um, list of episodes. But, um, what you lose when you have these, like, beautiful, perfectly drawn characters is just a kind of expressiveness that you have to be inventive about. Um, now, that, that, like, you don't need to lose that. The reason why chibi characters exist and all that other stuff. But in Oceanbow, when a character's pissed off, like, they have, like, a look. They, like, look pissed off. When Yamaoka's just like, this isn't very good, like, his eyes thin and, like, his mouth goes flat and slants a little, and he's like, mmm. Um, and it just... The drawing style is kind of tailored to be expressive and tailored. But it's also tailored for those things, like I... Like I said earlier, um... Where there's, like, a one-panel thing of, like, this is, like, the one panel of, like, a relationship moment between Yamaoka and, like, his partner. And she, or, like, she'll just, like, give a loving side-eye to a kid and be like, oh, I wonder if Yamaoka would tolerate, would tolerate a child in our life. <laughs> and, like, the, the, did that that panel specifically that I'm talking about was is in the um sashimi chapter I'm reading and it's just like I I feel that's what that is but the manga like the beast bubble was like there's a family with a child here like oh motherfucker that is that really what that says because I look at her and I'm like Oh, she's starting to get a little... The, the clock is ringing the bell. The clock is ringing the bell. And I, it's just... It's it's just a fun... It's a, fu- it's a fun read, and it's a fun... It's a fun way to spend... To, like, lose an hour reading a couple chapters of Ocean Bow. Is the way I would describe it. Because it's... It always makes the food interesting. It always makes... Because it always makes the food interesting in the way that, like... Anthony Bourdain talking about food made food interesting. It, it talks about some of, like, the political shit. It talks about how the food is made... And how, like, popular food culture can ruin food for people. Um, I'm realizing now, because I'm talking about a manga, I have no idea what I'm going to put at the beginning and end of this video, because... No opening and ending song! I might actually, though, I might actually put, um... An opening and ending to different KyoAni stuff as a kind of, like, tribute to them, because that might be a nice thing to do, considering what happened. Um, but this is actually where I'm going to end it. I'm going to end it a little shorter. Um, if you like Oceanbow, you can definitely go read it on the um, Viz Media app. On the on the on Viz's like on Viz Media proper, not their Shonen Jump app. I don't think it's included in that cavalcade of Shonen Jump stuff. But I know you can get the volumes one at a time on the Viz Media app, and they're worth it. Trust me, even out of order. Um, also, before I go, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention I will be giving panels at Liberty City Anime Con in New York City, in the Times Square Marriott in New York City on the 10th and 11th. On the 10th, I'll be, the first panel I'll be doing is, um, Full Metal, is Full Metal and Beyond, an exploration of disability anime. 
And then the second panel I'll be doing is Mommy and Daddy Hate You, Bad Parenting in Anime, and those are both on the tents. Um, you can check program guides if you're going to see where they are, because I know I've been scheduled. Um, and then on Sunday, on that Sunday on the 11th, I will be doing Welcome to Your Cyberpunk Future. Um, that's the new panel. That's like that's exactly what it sounds like. It's me welcoming you, welcoming you to your cyberpunk future, um, and all that entails. Um, I look forward to seeing you there. I actually just applied to do my Full Metal and Beyond panel at Anime NYC. We'll see where that lands. I hope I get it because that would be a lot of fun. That'd be like a different size audience, bigger convention kind of thing. Um, and lastly, I just want to say, you know, if you don't, if you haven't thought about animation and the craft of animation and the animators who work on the anime that we love and devour, um, take some time, just take, take some time consider those people because they are important they are meaning they they are meaningful contributors to our pop culture lexicon and culture at large especially at this point and take some time to think about specifically kill annie and the way that it functions as a studio and why it's so important and hope that the people who are affected by the arson will be okay. Even th at the end of the day, they will be okay. That there will be some relief from the sadness and the pain. Just hope for that. And on that note, I have been Alex, and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. If you like the podcast, you can leave me a five-star review, and subscribe for more episodes every week. But until then, I will talk to you next time.